You're listening to DraftKings Network. On this Tuesday, March 21st edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings, DraftKings Network, we are going to recap the madness that was the first four days of the NCAA tournament. And then Thomas Casali, senior editor at Action Network, is going to join me to go over the Sweet 16 board, look at the future board, talk about what we like the rest of the way in the tournament. And of course, we will have odds are with the director of the DraftKings Sportsbook, Johnny Avello, and go through where some of the money is on this tournament. All right, we did it. We ripped through the first four days, six if you want to count, first four games of March Madness. Came out alive on the other side. Um, obviously a wild tournament, second time a uh, a 16 seed has taken down a one. We got a Princeton in the Sweet 16. Uh, it was madness indeed. Welcome into the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I'm your host, Julian Edlow, and we are going to do a Sweet 16 preview and for the occasion. Welcoming back to the podcast, Thomas Casali. He's the senior editor over at Action Network. Tom, how we doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, thoughts, real quick, on on the the first four days of of the madness. Obviously, I don't. Uh, you know, you say, "Hey, what was your biggest surprise?" Well, Fairleigh Dickinson was probably the biggest surprise because one of the shortest teams that doesn't play defense or rebound in the country uh, was taken down by a number one overall seed with a seven foot four player. But I guess outside of that biggest surprise, biggest, biggest takeaway, um, what went right for you? Yeah, I think the tournament is going kind of like most of us thought, right? There's been a lot of craziness. I, I thought that East region was the one where like, where I thought Purdue was a soft one and I thought Marquette was a soft two. Now I haven't mm-hmm. been a Tennessee fan all season, but the thing is, is when the tournament comes out, you kind of got to forget all everything you wrote on Twitter, right? You got to kind of reset your mind. And when I saw that draw, I said, geez, you know, this this kind of looks pretty good for Tennessee. Uh, and we'll see how they do this week. But uh, they were just too physical against Duke. So the East region's playing out like I thought. You know, the West region's playing out like I thought as well. Um, I thought the power teams would be there. And I thought Kansas had a lot of holes that Arkansas would have a chance against them. Um, and, and I think this year was just about picking the right upsets, right? Like I had Kennesaw State, who was up against Xavier, and Xavier came storming back. I had Drake, who was up seven <laughs> with two minutes to go, and they go, you know, the other team goes on a sixteen-one run. So I think it was all about trying to find the right upsets and whether or not you hit them. But I, I'm pretty sure no one had a fairly Dickinson, which is one of the most amazing. Uh, two game runs that I've seen in the tournament. Well, I, I like you, I think was one of those people that was very much looking forward to fading Purdue in the mm-hmm. tournament. I was very excited for, I, I bet some Memphis sweet 16 and elite eight, because like you, I thought that East region was weak. I think a lot of people went to maybe Duke instead of Tennessee, who's now looking yep. to be in a better position. Um, but I was all, I was getting my, I was putting my chips ahead of myself, getting ready for that Memphis Purdue game. So of course we get fairly Dickinson in Florida Atlantic because that's how the tournament works. Um, game by game. Yeah. It's been a, a tough tournament. I haven't done that well game by game. I think some of my favorite bets so far have been some of these like sweet 16 elite eight futures, just getting Texas, Gonzaga, Yukon, 
all on sweet 16 bets for me. Um, so we'll touch on, we'll touch on the futures board. Cause I think there still is a little bit of value there. First, we'll just do some quick analysis on the eight games that we do have the eight sweet 16 games that span from, from Thursday to Friday. Things kick off on Thursday early, uh, 630 Eastern tip at Madison square garden. We got Michigan state K state. This one, uh, a large move. Michigan State was a, a two-point dog and now a two-point favorite. People want to keep backing Izzo in in March, um, fading a Kansas State team that was projected to be so poor this season and and wound up being one of the best stories in in college basketball. For me, if this, I mean, if this goes any more to like three, I I know it's kind of when you want to back some of the teams that had the higher projections earlier in the year, like a Michigan State was a ranked team at, at you know that projected a lot better than K-State. If this gets to three, I might be looking at K-State, but this is probably the game that I have the least opinion on out of the Sweet 16 matchups. Yeah, I lean K-State here. Like you, I'm kind of waiting to see where this goes. Uh, I haven't been a Michigan State fan all year. Uh, I had UC uh, in my brackets. I picked USC against them. The They've played well in these two games. I mean, the, the offense is really clicking right now. You know, but I think they – see – one of the things that's hard to do is like during the season, you can look at all these Ken Palm metrics and they matter, right? When you get to the tournament, they don't matter as much. Cause when you look at Michigan State's turnover percentage offensively, it's probably better than it really is because none of the big 10 teams press the ball. The, the, you know, they don't, they don't play that attacking style of defense that we see in uh, the SEC or the Big 12. So I do think Kansas State's ball pressure is going to bother those guys. Now, listen, I had Kentucky against Kansas State. I love Jerome Tank. I love Kansas State. I love the way he coaches. I love the team. I thought Kentucky had a little bit more talent, um, you know, but yeah. then again, you're asking Kentucky to make an outside shot and not turn the ball over. Uh, and, you know, people will say, well, Kansas State got lucky threes in that game. Well, I could probably go through every game and show you some luck here or there. Um, the, the bottom line is Kansas State played better down the stretch. And the, the, the key thing about the tournament, too, is, you know, when a team wins one or two games, they get confidence. You know what I mean? Like I always yep. say, like, like Xavier was – was a block away, right? The, they needed to score in the final seconds, and then they got a great block in the final seconds to seal that game. They could go to the final four now. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like sometimes you just need a win uh, to get you rolling. So I like Kansas State. I think the matchup favors them. All right. Uh, a game that I'm pretty excited for that I've almost gone back and for, uh, forth on on Thursday. The next game is in Vegas, Arkansas and UConn. One of the things I did get right on Saturday was Arkansas with the points and money line over Kansas. Um, I thought it was a bad matchup for Kansas. In Arkansas, you can go back. You know, they've been ranked in the top 10. They have the the lottery pick freshmen. They have the transfers. They have a lot of pieces and they have the coach. Uh, in March, Eric Musselman just keeps going back. Sweet 16, Elite Eight. They draw UConn. UConn's laying three and a half here. UConn's a team that, you know, hasn't lost out of out of the Big East, really. Uh, and they win those games by margin. Beat Alabama with a large margin out of the SEC. I think Arkansas matches up well with UConn, the, the, particularly the big guards, um, big talented guards. I think as big as Arkansas is, UConn could still have a little bit of a paint advantage. There's not many teams UConn doesn't have a paint advantage on. 
I'm I'm terrified of Arkansas, and I think that's what's kept me off this one. I'm leaning UConn. I think that uh, they're the more veteran, uh, stronger team, and they kind of prove that in the non-conference. Um, but I have not bet it yet because I'm absolutely terrified of Arkansas and, and what they can do in these tournaments. Yeah, I have a futures on Arkansas. I bet it a while back, so it was before some of the injuries happened. It's 22 to 1, so it's not a great number on them. Um, and when the brackets came out, you know, I thought they could, they matched up well with Kansas. The problem that I have with Arkansas, and, you know, you see it sometimes with these, like, they don't shoot the ball well. And if, if they have a game where they're not hitting from the outside, you know, TCU, they could have won that game against Gonzaga, but they, they can't shoot the three at all. And sooner or later, that comes up to bite you because that's Gonzaga's weakness. They can't guard that line. And TCU had multiple open looks from three and, and didn't hit them. Um, now, Connecticut guards the three-point line a lot better than Gonzaga. But the I think Arkansas is going to have to hit some outside shots here because, you, as you said, UConn has the paint advantage over pretty much any team in the country. So I think their style of slashing to the hoop and getting layups could be negated here. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, but I thought Arkansas matched up much better with Kansas than they do UConn. So I'm going to go with the Huskies here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. This is one of those games that I feel like if you back UConn and lose it, you probably get some bad luck in terms of what you said. Arkansas just shooting a high percentage and making shots, which they haven't been able to do in general this year. Um, let's go to the second game at MSG, uh, the 9 o'clock Eastern tip on Thursday. FAU catching 5.5 against Tennessee. Uh, FAU's really good. I like them. They don't lose games. They, they, you know, they beat Florida earlier in the year. They haven't been quite tested like this. And their road, like we're talking about luck with the block for Xavier. I, I thought Memphis, I had a bet on Memphis, and I thought Memphis was probably the right side in that game. FAU gets a little bit lucky to advance and then draws Fairleigh Dickinson to get to the Sweet 16. FAU's here, but they haven't proven anything to me. That doesn't mean they're not worth taking five and a half points with because Tennessee, like you, I'm a team, I'm a little down on them. You lose a, a senior point guard like that going into the tournament, that can catch up with you at some point. I lean Tennessee here like I do in a lot of these games and I haven't done it. And I'm, I'm giving out a lot of favorites, I feel like, in these because I feel like after those wild four days calms down, you get this time to, to prep, go to a new location. I, I feel like it does favor favorites a little bit more as we get to this stage um but i haven't quite get gotten there yet just because i'm so down on ten if tennessee has one of those seven minutes where they don't score then here we are again you don't want to be laying points with them yeah and you know i was on memphis as well i i thought they had a chance there uh they blew that game i don't know what was going on at they the did. end of the game people screaming at each other penny just standing there you know sometimes you got to be a coach uh, you want to you want to be laid back and be everybody's buddy that's great but sometimes you got to be the coach uh and he didn't take charge there at the end and it was just madness so they blew that game this is what i'll say about fau they haven't impressed me in either game but yeah. if you look at what tennessee has struggled with this season missouri Auburn, teams that get out in transition because then they can't play that half-court defense. I watched yeah. five minutes of that Duke game, and I turned to my son and I said, this is over. 
Rick Barnes, give him credit. He told his big guy to go out there and commit two early fouls. There's no way that guy was going to throw elbows and throw uh, Filipowski to the ground unless he was told to by Rick Barnes. That was a great, great strategy, I thought, um, because they knew they could bully Duke, and Duke's not going to really get out in transition. They're going to play more half court. Um, so I thought well, that game so was So let over. me just say this then. If Tennessee can bully Duke, you would think they can bully Florida Atlantic, right? Yeah, but that's if everything goes their way. I mean, if they're like Florida Atlantic's going to want to get out and transition more. Um, yep. And that's no, I where I think, here. yeah. So conflicting, it, conflicting styles, conflicting styles. Yes. If, if Tennessee gets this in a half court slow down game and they're making Florida Atlantic shoot, you know, we, we saw Florida. I mean, Florida Atlantic must have missed more open threes against FDU than any team in the tournament so far. I mean, there was nobody near these guys, and they, they were missing threes. But if if Florida Atlantic can t- turn this into like what how Missouri plays, you know, again, you go back to where Tennessee really struggled against Missouri this year. And Missouri, credit to their coach and everything, having a good year. But Tennessee's better than Missouri talent-wise. Um, so that's where I think it gets interesting. If, if 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 FAU can get that transition game going, get easy buckets, start pressing those guards without the point guard, then they got a shot here. But if they're forced to play Tennessee style in that grinded-out half-court game, it's going to be one of those ugly covers by Tennessee where maybe they're never up by 15 points, but they're always up by 8 or 9, and you're, you always think you're in the game, but you're never really in the game, and they end up winning by 12. So I'd watch this game early if you're looking to live bet and see how the styles are matching up and see who's winning that first 10 minutes. That's exactly what I was just going to say. It sounds like a game that I'm not going to have a side going in and might get invested in live. But a game that I do have a side going in, uh, the game, as much as I like Arkansas-UConn, the game of the night in Vegas, Gonzaga-UCLA, perfect place for that game. Two big West Coast fan bases, so I'm sure the building will be buzzing. Gonzaga keeps getting to the Sweet 16, but we we know how things kind of go from here for them. Uh, the number one offensive efficiency in the country, but down there, I think, in the 70s right now in terms of uh, defensive efficiency. UCLA, one of those teams that everybody says can win it all because of the balance on both sides of the ball, even without Jalen Clark. We'll see if this is the game where that all catches up. I played UCLA at minus 120 money line in this game. That's the only Sweet 16 bet as we record on Tuesday afternoon, March 21st, that I have thus far. Uh, that said, you know, Gonzaga is is obviously very capable in, in these spots, and, and maybe the, the injuries for UCLA catch up. But I, I think that uh, Mick Cronin is going to be able to muck this game up a little bit, slow Gonzaga down, make it more UCLA's style. And if it becomes a, a defensive slower game, that obviously favors UCLA. And I think that between Hawkes and Ty- Tiger Campbell, they'll still be able to find their offense. So I'm going UCLA due, due to the balance, due to the defense. Um, but yes, like there's, there's a red flag with every game on the board almost right now. And the red flag here is that UCLA is dinged up. Yeah, Jalen Clark was my favorite player in college basketball, so maybe I put too much emphasis on him. I, I just think nobody in the country can do what he does, and I have I have futures on both of these teams. So, but I was crushed when Jalen Clark went down in that Arizona game. Um, but to UCLA's credit, uh, Cronin has figured out so far how to play without him, even in the loss to Arizona. Remember, Arizona 
hit a three late in that game to win it in the in the Pac-12 tournament. Yep. And they held that team down. Uh, that's what I was looking for in that game. I wanted to see how UCLA's defense played against a, an elite offense, and they and they did did well. Um, the the interesting thing here is. The last two times the recent games that UCLA has played with Gonzaga, they've actually run with them. The if you look at those scores, they're surprised. Like the in the, remember the tournament game a couple of years ago where UCLA right. made that run. It was in the nineties, um, and the, the, the that I one thought, was, that, was that in overtime. Yeah, but the, that was a okay. fast pace. That was a fast paced game, um, yep. and I, I remember being so surprised. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised because of. Gonzaga's one of the things I liked about UCLA coming into this tournament, they can play you any style. They can muck you up, but they will also take advantage of your defensive weaknesses. And one of Gonzaga's defensive weaknesses is transition defense. And UCLA has some has some athletes. One of the things I'm going to play this, I'm just going to sit back and watch it because I have the futures going. But one of the mm-hmm. things I wouldn't be surprised here if UCLA hits over their team total. Gonzaga's defense is really, really bad. And if UCLA, yep. one of the things is they don't depend on three-point shots. They're one of the few teams still left in basketball who dribbles in and takes a lot of mid-range two-pointers. You don't really see that anymore in college basketball. But I think they're going to have success with their offense. I think UCLA moves on here. I should have also prefaced my play by saying I do have an 18-to-1 Gonzaga ticket. So I am partially hedging off here at this point. If I lose my UCLA bet, I do get an 18-to-1 ticket into the Elite Eight. So not all will be lost. Uh, That kind of helped put me on UCLA where I was, where I was leaning initially anyway. Um, all right. Well, you, should, to the you, should bet, you should bet Connecticut to, to make the final four. Cause I got the three other teams in the West. So I see how this is going to turn <laughs> yeah. out. We'll get everything covered then. Um, all right. You listen to the unreasonable odds podcast, DraftKings network. Uh, we're talking to Thomas Casale of the action network, ripping through the sweet 16. And we are on to Friday where Alabama and San Diego state play. This line has moved around between a couple of points. Uh, I think as low as Alabama minus six totals come crashing down and then back up a couple points. As we record, it sits at one thirty-seven. Um, I'll say this. I haven't bet anything in this game because I have a Alabama minus 105 to the Elite Eight bet. So I'm just going to ride Bama minus 105 money line, pick them type of game. For me, I'll leave my good number and and cheer for the big favorite. Now, Creighton is a team we're going to talk about. I know a team that you have futures on. I as well have a 40 to 1 future on Creighton. I would be pretty shocked if it wasn't Bama or Creighton coming out of this region. So I have gone ahead and bet some Alabama to the final four. And because this side of the bracket is so weak, we were just talking about how weak the East is some Alabama to reach the national championship game at plus plus one eighty. as bets that I both kind of like right now, but also am somewhat hedging a Creighton ticket. I'm looking ahead to that matchup. We know how that went with Purdue Memphis didn't get the matchup but I'm looking ahead potentially to the Alabama-Creighton matchup and saying that is my my kind of hedge against a, a, a big Creighton payout if they were to win it all. So I I don't need to get involved in the seven and a half points in this game. I guess I could take some San Diego State if I wanted to, look for a little middle. But uh, that is the web that I have spun spun myself here. I will say 
and I, I, you're going to tell me why you like San Diego State, I think, here. When, when Alabama plays these slower teams, defensive teams, I just don't know how the scoring necessarily keeps up unless San Diego State plays their best defensive game of, of the season, it feels like. Well, when the matchups came out, I, you know, I said, geez, if San Diego State can beat Charleston, and I, I wanted, I had to see them win a game first because they kind of had that mental block of getting in the tournament and, you know, yep. disappointing. I thought they matched up pretty well with Alabama. I think they're the one team in this region that can give Alabama some trouble. And it's because of the way they defend the three point line. Um, it, I just think they have athletes too. You know, it's hard to beat Alabama without athletes. The, they yep. got arguably the best Not athletes, athletes in the country. But like older athletes. <laughs> right, right. And they Man. know how to defend. Now, Maybe San Diego State shoots 30% from the field. They have those games. If they do, they're going to get beaten badly because Alabama's defense is good. I actually see that both defenses dominating this game. And, and I see it being a lower scoring, you know, lower 60s kind of game, which I think gives San Diego State a chance. Uh, and, you know, I, I made the line six. So when it opened up at seven, I took it. Now I think it's up to seven and a half. And I'll yep. also, this is my other thing. Maryland stinks. All right. I don't know why everybody liked Maryland in that game. I think they're just betting underdogs. At no point did Maryland match up well with Alabama. Maryland's one, they can't play, you know, away from home. They played another average team in the first round, uh, West Virginia, who should have been up by 25 in the first half. So I think people are looking at that game too, where in my opinion, I thought Alabama had the easiest second round game opponent than of any of the higher seeds. I mean, geez, Texas had to play yeah. Penn State. So in I think if San Diego State doesn't just brick shots, they can stay with Alabama and stay within this number. Um similar to how Tennessee did against uh they're built kind of the same, right? Defense uh and yeah. Tennessee did a good job of shutting that three-point line down. So that's my theory. Uh, it's really the only game I bet so far, and I'm gonna. And I, I'm also rooting for San Diego State because of my Creighton future. So <laughs> I might as well go all in on the Aztecs. Gives you a little bit more value there. Um, <laughs> I will say, if I if I put out an individual play on this game, you mentioned low scoring potentially and under. I first half under sixty four uh, stands out to me because I think yeah. San Diego state has to set the tone early, right? This one has right. to be ugly early. And then if it gets away and they're, they're down 12 in the second half and have to pick up the pace, that's how, you know, it could creep back up. But I, I like a first half under, um, yeah, that, that's, that's got a ch chance either way, because if San Diego state isn't competitive in the first half, it means they're not making shots. And, you know, right. Alabama is going to have like a, you know, 40 to, 18 <laughs> halftime lead probably. So you, you end up hitting it both ways. All right. Uh, Miami and Houston. Houston laying seven here, total 138. Uh, Miami, again, another one of those teams. I had Drake plus three and a half. It should have cashed and they should have won outright. But here we are. They get through that game and then they dominate Indiana. Now they're playing Houston in the Sweet 16. I, I like... I'm not laying the points. I think Houston should win. I think this is one of those rounds where I keep talking about favorites probably get through, but we have some, we have some big spreads on, on Friday night. We just talked about a game that was seven and a half. Um, and here's another one, seven. Like I don't make many 
money line parlays in the NCAA tournament. I've done one this year. This is one where if you wanted to use Houston as a money line parlay piece, I think it's good. But I have no other bet and no other real take on this game. I think seven's too many, but I'm too afraid to take Miami. Yeah, I agree with your – I think Houston probably wins. Uh, I'll say this, though. If you look at the, uh, two of the teams that beat Houston this year, Memphis and Alabama, what do they have? Mm-hmm. Guards. Guards. That's guards. how you got to be – that's got. That's how you got to beat Houston's defense. You got to have guards that can that can beat defenders off the ball and can make outside shots. Miami has that. And yep. as good as O'Meara is down low, the one thing I worry about, though, is them getting bullied. You know, I, this is a game if Miami is missing shots, I don't think O'Meara can save them. As good as a rebounder as he is, Houston's got four good rebounders. Uh, and yeah. They just rebound well as a team. So I do think Miami stays in this game most of the way. I could see Houston maybe covering later, but I agree. This is one where if you're looking for a money line side, I would go with Houston. All right, we're on the same page there. It's nice when you have a future 40 to 1. Uh, I think you have even better numbers, and you get them as a double digit favorite in the Sweet 16. Now, hopefully, they don't blow it, but here is Creighton against Princeton, laying 10. I, I'm not going to do anything here because of my personal you know, stance on the game with the future. Uh, but generally, when you get to the Sweet 16, this is a place where you can start looking at hedging. I, I think that Creighton's going to beat. Princeton, you know, this is kind of when Cinderella has to reset, step back to reality. Now you got to go play a, a really good team, a team in Creighton that honestly grades out, you know, just as well, if not better than Arizona in my mind. So it's going to be the toughest team that, that Princeton has has faced. So I'm just going to sit back here. Uh, what do you do in this position as as somebody with a with a lot of different Creighton futures? Yeah, so I have them at a hundred to one and eighty to one for the from the opening Great number. Numbers. But I'm gonna listen. Here's the thing: everybody hedges differently. I wait until the last possible minute. And if you can't beat a 15 seed as a 10 point favorite, then I we don't you know I don't deserve to cash. That that's how I look at it. The other right. thing is this: the other thing is this. Like I'm having a hard time with Princeton because. I don't think they played well against Arizona. I think they played poorly and Arizona played more poorly. Then for some reason, and I don't, I've never under, never known why, sometimes in the tournament, you can tell right away a team's not there. In the first round, it was Kent State. For whatever reason, Kent State never got off the bus. It, it, that's not the Kent State team we saw all season, right? Yeah. Missouri, for whatever reason, never showed up to that game. Now, give Princeton, Princeton credit. They they won. They took it to them. Yep. But that's not the Missouri team I saw for most of the year. I don't know if it's mental or what. You know, I remember a couple of years ago I, when UCLA made that run, I took BYU against them early. And in the first five minutes, I said, oh, my God, this, this game's over. Like, I don't know what happened. BYU, it had jet lag. I don't know. But you can see it sometimes. So I think Creighton has a pretty big advantage here. I don't know if they'll cover the 10. Um, I'm yeah. going to hope they get through this game and then I'm going to reassess where I am and who they're playing. Obviously, if they play Alabama, I give Alabama a lot of edges. If they play San Diego State, I think that's a pretty even game. All right, we're on the same page there. We'll be rooting for the Blue Jays on Friday night. Uh Last one on the board, Texas and Xavier on uh, on Friday night, 945 Eastern tip. I am leaning towards 
laying four with Texas. Xavier's got those good guards, and that's what wins in the tournament. So it scares me a little bit. But I, I think that Texas is the more balanced team. Uh, I think that what Xavier does, Texas can can do better. Um, so for me, this is a te- this is a Texas team that I picked to win this region. I think they can beat Houston in in an Elite Eight game. I don't know if Houston's seen anything like Texas uh, in in a while, maybe since they lost to Alabama. Uh, so. I, I wish it was a little bit shorter. I wish there was something better to money line parlay it with. Maybe it maybe with Houston. I, I, but you know, I don't. I don't want to get too invested in something like that. By the time, what I'm long story short, by the time we get to nine forty five on Friday night, I will probably have some form of of Texas ticket. Uh, how do you feel about this one, Tom? Yeah, I'm stuck on this game because the number feels a little low. And, and granted, I haven't been the biggest right. Xavier fan all season. And again, they got by that first round game. They looked good, but you know they did play Pitt. The I, I thought if Texas make could producer Samir angry, he's a he's a Pitt Panther. He he thinks they're just the greatest. greatest well, listen, thing that, that Pitt had a Pitt had a great season, but the, I that's told about him to be as happy far about those wins. Yeah, just that's be happy about with as two tournament wins. You know, you had a you had a big injury there for that team, so that's about as far as they could go. I I, I thought, um, especially when Xavier's playing that kind of offense. You know, I thought if Texas could beat Penn State, because I thought that was a really, really tough second-round game, they would be in good shape to make the Final Four. I think they're the best team in this region. I think they'll give Houston problems. I just don't under- really understand what's going on with the number, so it's, it's causing me some pause here, because the number opens at four, and the whole world is on Texas. There's like six people who've bet Xavier, and it's just sitting there, and now... I know this doesn't impact games, and I don't always look at this stuff, but I thought when I saw that number open at four, I'm like, geez, that's going to be five and a half tomorrow morning. And so I'm kind of just sitting there looking at it, waiting for to see where it goes. And if it drops to three and a half, I'm really going to be intrigued by it. Uh, but I, listen, I think Texas is too strong inside. I, I think they're going to kind of bully Xavier. I think Xavier is going to have to shoot the lights out to win this game. So I have a strong lean to the Longhorns. And like you, I'll probably have some kind of Longhorn bet going by the time we get there. Here's what you do. If you're not, because we're sitting here as two people already invested in Creighton and I don't want to add to it. If you're not us, your Creighton, Texas, Friday night Moneyline parlay is like minus 115. Yeah. That's how you do it. Princeton's not going to the Elite Eight. We had St. Peter's do it once. We're not having that again. There's how you get rid of the points if you're looking to back Texas. Um, all right, Tom, we got like one minute before we wrap up. Anything left in the futures board that jumps out to you? I gave you my Bama ones, which are partial hedges, if you want to call it that, or just playing with fire with with Creighton tickets. And then again, if, if I'm going to you know get ahead of the, the Houston game, I don't mind Texas to win their region and getting a good plus price on them. But again, they got to they got the the tougher game than Houston here by in terms of the point spread. Um, anything left on the board that pops to you? The, the the one is UConn. Like when I saw the West, I had about six teams in there for futures, and I was like, boy, the team that could really screw this up for me is UConn. Because uh, when UConn's on, they're as good as anybody in the country. They're not. They don't yeah. always get their A game, but we have so far. So to me, that's the one that scares me the most. And I, if I was looking to win best right now, it would be UConn because I think they get by Arkansas. And then they'll either get a 
Gonzaga team that doesn't play much defense or a UCLA team that's a little shorthanded. So I think it's advantage Huskies. All right, there we go. Sweet 16 breakdown uh, with Thomas Casali over at Action Network. Um, up next, we are going to talk to director of Sportsbook at DraftKings Sportsbook, Johnny Avello. Tom, thanks for joining us on Unreasonable Odds. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. All right, you heard the music. You know what it means. It's time for Odds Are with Johnny Avello of DK Sportsbook. Johnny, how we doing? Good, Jules. Excellent. Thank you. Typical madness in the opening weekend of the tournament. Take us through some of the games. Let's start with the public, our customers cashing some tickets, some games that made the public the most money. Any Fairleigh Dickinson money line out there? Yeah, um, you, you know, with the question, we, there were any Purdue tickets out there? No, it was all. <laughs> oh, I assume there were a lot of uh, a lot of Purdue. Nice call, laying the twenty three. Yeah, we paid out multiple seven figures on that game. Uh, a lot of happy nights backers out there. <laughs> so that was that was the best game of all for the public. Really big win for them. Uh, there were some others: Miami, Florida over Drake. A uh, good public game. Kennesaw over Xavier. Uh, Kentucky over Providence. Um, they, you know, they liked Kentucky in that one. Can't blame them. First round game. And Alabama over Maryland. All of those were good public games. All right. Let's flip that for DraftKings Sportsbook. What were some of the most profitable games for you guys behind the book? Uh, Northern Kentucky covering against Houston. Of course, you know, Houston took it all. Uh, Penn State outright win over A&M. Uh, Tennessee beaten Duke. By the way, Tennessee beaten Duke. That was the largest win and handle of any, any game we've booked so far. Um, and then wow. Michigan State beaten Marquette. And um, yeah, yeah, those those were outstanding for us. All right. I, well, we tried to uh, Matt Matt Kalish, one of the co-founders of DraftKings Sportsbook. Our of DraftKings at our uh, launch, VIP launch party at Banners in Boston on Saturday tried to tried to give that away. He said uh, Duke's a trap. Take Tennessee with, with the points. He gave that out as his as his bet uh, on Veasan. I guess the DraftKings sportsbook betters weren't weren't listening. The book cleans up on uh, the Duke bets coming in. How about the uh, futures market, Johnny? What was uh, what was costly for uh, for the book, or what was costly for the public, and some of the futures that have that have paid out already? Whether it be like Sweet Sixteens or teams that got knocked out to win it all. No, uh, I can tell you some of the regions that will be costly if they get there. Not so much so far. Okay. Uh, Alabama in the South, they took about sixty percent of the handle. Uh, Houston and Texas, both in the Midwest, were bet so. They, they appear to be in good shape there. Uh, Zags in the West, uh, you know, Zags were a good, decent price, four and a half to one or so. And as far as the East is concerned, we're we're okay there. So that's one out of four. We're okay in shape. Uh, yes, the East not quite holding true to uh, true to form in terms of that seating. Let's. Uh, 
let's go to the handle on props. I know there was a pretty wide variety offered on, on DK Sportsbook. How was the handle? Were there any big payouts on any particular props through the first weekend of the tournament? Yeah, you know, the way these props were bet, of course, I could go down a list and show you, you know, hundreds that were bet pretty good. But it seemed like they were keyed. There were a couple that were keyed on for the first couple of games. Prop handle was as good as prop handle could be. Uh, Drew Timmy was getting played over 19 and a half points in both the f- first two games, he, you know, he was playing in. And then the big go, Oscar Shibway, total rebounds, uh, was around 13 and a half, one game, 14 and a half. Both of those games were hammered. So they were two players, individual players that were just keyed on for the first two games. All right, some of my favorite bets uh, in this tournament, my most profitable bets, some of these Sweet 16 bets. Um, I put Texas there. I put Gonzaga there. I put UConn there. Um, I have an Alabama Elite 8 one. I I think that those, not being forced into bet a team to win it all or make the Final Four, I I think that those are a really nice spot to just take a team you like and give them that kind of partial path. Um, what uh, What were some of the bigger payouts on those props to reach the Sweet 16, and did you pay out any Princeton Sweet 16 props? I want to know if anybody had that one. Uh, UConn and the Zags to make the Sweet 16 were, were popular. I, mess, I mentioned this. Well, I mean, they were in my article, so we know they, why they were popular. Well, then it's your fault. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the blame. <laughs> they, were, they were both popular plays for the most part. Um, all the major futures, though, are still – they're all hanging in the balance. Now, you mentioned Princeton. They had some money on them, but no real hazard was there, actually, which I'm very yeah. surprised of. But uh, so far, that's our darling, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So let's look forward. Uh, liability on you, you kind of went through by region. So we'll, we're just keeping this to win it all. Um, any liability on any different teams on, on DK Sportsbook in terms of just cutting down the nets in Houston? Yeah, you know, Houston's still a big loser. We're not off of that yet. Uh, UCLA has been played for the last month or so, uh, and so has Alabama. Alabama's actually, last three weeks, got a pretty good push. But we did dispose of Duke, Marquette, and Kansas. They were all minuses for us. So, uh, you know, there's still some hazards out there, but, you know, you you get some out of the way also. So we're I feel okay where we are right now. All right, well, you don't have to worry about Houston because Texas is going to beat them on Sunday night. Let's move forward to some of those Sweet 16 games. Um, Where is some of the early money coming Thursday and Friday on these games? They seem, you know, things tighten up after we get through these first four games. It's like the NFL playoffs kind of as we we move along. Things tighten up, shorter boards. Um, Where is some of the early money coming in on these Sweet 16 games Thursday and Friday? Well, on Thursday, FAU taking a, a small piece of money versus Tennessee, five and a half. That number's around five. Uh, so not a lot of movement in the game. Um, and I don't blame them because, you know, Tennessee, I think, really got up for that Duke game. Uh, you know, the question is, are they back to a Tennessee team we saw earlier in the year? That's uh, – we're not sure about that. Uh, they're also sticking with Izzo's Miss State team who opened the one-point dog. Now they're – favorite by two. Uh, Connecticut's getting a, a small push at three and a half over Arkansas. And UCLA is up to two from one at the T-Mobile here in Las Vegas uh, over the Zags. 
Uh, on Friday, pretty balanced action on the Miami, Florida, and Houston. Uh, Texas taking a little more than Xavier at minus four. Uh, no movement yet in that game. Uh, they like Alabama. So far, taking that number from six, an opener up to seven and a half over San Diego State. And a little bit of Princeton money showing up, taking the ten and a half. People like Cinderella. Generally, these Cinderellas t- seem to come back to reality after uh, you know a whole week and start to settle in here. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned some of the movement. Uh, we still got some times as we record on Tuesday afternoon before these games. Is there anything else uh, that you see moving big by the time these Sweet Sixteen games tip off? You know, some games I th- I anticipate may move a little bit. I expect UConn to make it to at least minus four. They're they're sitting at three and a half now. Uh, UCLA probably goes up another tick from two, maybe to two and a half. Uh, Texas to four and a half. I think that'll happen. And I believe that the Princeton team is going to continue to get bet, certainly on the money line at plus four. So that'll probably try not. (laughs) If you're interested in Princeton, it's probably a good time to jump on that. Uh, And the points too. Uh, We opened 10 and a half. We're down to 10. Not going to be surprised if that game goes even lower, nine and a half, maybe even nine. All right, that's Odds Are with Johnny Avello. Johnny, thanks for taking some time out during the madness to uh, give us a peek behind the book. You're welcome. All right, thanks again to Thomas Casali of Action Network for joining us, Johnny Avello of DK Sportsbook for joining us here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Before we wrap, we're going to give out a handful of best bets for the Sweet 16. Alabama to win their region, still sitting at minus 145. We're going to play that. Got to get through San Diego State and then get through that Creighton-Princeton winner, presumably Creighton. Uh, So Alabama to reach the Final Four, still a play for me. The one that I gave out on Twitter, two-unit play on UCLA Moneyline. Thursday night over Gonzaga. I think the balance UCLA Bruins, even a little dinged up, can get it done against Gonzaga. And then uh, the two others, the ones that I've been leaning towards, the ones that Tom and I talked about, but Johnny said he expects to move. So guess what? I'm just going to give him out his best bets right now. UConn, minus three and a half against Arkansas. I do ultimately think they're the right side. And I will lay the four with Texas against Xavier. So we're going favorites. We're going chalk in the Sweet 16. Uh, but that's generally how things how things go after the madness of the first four days of the tournament. For Julian Edlow, thank you for listening to Unreasonable Odds. And we will be back with a final four edition of the podcast next week. Good luck on your bets, everybody. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 